Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 223. Board game hotness for June 2019. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. Anthony, we are back with a brand new episode. The temperatures are rising. Things are getting hot out there, but there is something even hotter out there. And that is the new board games burning up the charts on Board Game Geek. And we're going to talk about them on this episode. Yeah, yeah. We get the board game hotness for June. Uh, I know June's a couple days away if you're listening to this on release day, but lots and lots of new games because of award season and con season and everything else. We're going to kind of run through those as best we can. Yeah, there's been a lot of stuff that coming out. This is a time of year to check out the new hot games, and we're going to let you know what you should be looking out for at your board game meetups, at your upcoming Origins Game Fair, and just you know, your local friendly game store. They're getting some hot games out there and which ones you should check out. But Anthony, that is not the super hotness, my friend. There is a high temperature thing coming our way. It is our Patreon back contest. Who wins this week? Yeah, yeah. We got this contest going up every single week. If you, for some reason, have been under a rock for the last 16 weeks or, or just now getting into the podcast, we give away a game every single week that we record an episode to one of our Patreon backers at the producer level or higher. Uh, last week was Brian. Brian is getting a copy of Space Core uh, in the mail. And then this week's winner is Elise. And Elise is going to get a game uh, based on her selection. I'm going to send her the list here at the end of this episode. And she's going to let us know. And next week, I'll let you know what she picks. All right. So that is our Patreon back contest winner. We're so glad to have our Patreon backers that help us bring you new episodes each and every week and brand new content on our patreon.com slash BGA page. So check all of that fun stuff out. But Anthony, we got one more super hot contest coming up. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, we do this every, I say every four years, but it's really every three years and then the next year. It's our World Cup contest. We do this for the Men's World Cup. We do this for the Women's World Cup. And it has nothing to do with either of those. It's just an opportunity to do another bracket. And this year we're doing alternate history games. So games that take place in the past, but something is a little different. So just think of like a scythe, right? It takes place in the 20s and 30s in Europe, but obviously they have mechs and something's a little different. So we have 32 games in that bracket. I am putting that together as we speak. The contest will be up as you're listening to this. 
you'll be able to go in and pick which games you think are going to win each of those pools with eight different pools and then a bracket that comes out of that. And the winner is going to be able to pick one of the games from the brackets that is currently in print. So make sure you keep an eye on that. It's going to be up until June 17th when we record our uh, full episode kind of running through the bracket. So you have about two and a half weeks or so uh, to take a look at that. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. We These are the things we love doing the most. We do them in March. We do them in June. They're a blast. And uh, it's a chance for anybody listening to enter. Don't have to be a backer or anything like that. And we'll be giving away the game for that. All right, Anthony. So that's a lot of stuff going on with BGA. Please reach out to us if you'd like to know any other information or just want to say hi. We love hearing from you. But Anthony, let's get on to what our listeners are talking about. What's our question of the week? Yeah, I, I kind of thought of a fun one. And credit goes again to Reddit, because this is often where I get a lot of the, the more fun ideas that we come up with. The, the question of the week this week is, what's the worst title for a board game? Whether the game is good or bad. I don't care if the game is good or bad. Just what is the worst all around title for a board game? So here are some of the answers we got from the listeners. Nico says the worst game ever. <laughs> that is a game. The name of a game, sure. right? John mentions this game sucks. I okay. agree. That's a bad name for your game. Patrick mentions Meeple War. Okay. Or anything that has game or a component in the title, except yep. for Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones gets a pass. Sure. We, we have Matthew who says Stone Age, the expansion. I... I think I agree. Anything that says the expansion in the title is no good. I think this one is my favorite because you and I kind of had what back and forth, like what the hell does this mean for a while? <laughs> Chris says, I still don't know what a sidereal confluence is. <laughs> do, do you know? Cause I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know how to spell it. I can't help you out with that, man. And I can't even bring it to game night because people are like, what is that? I'm like, all right, don't worry about it. Here's the box. Like, <laughs> the box doesn't doesn't have any pictures on it. <laughs> I'm just like, Ugh. I know this is a game that's apparently like one of the best negotiation games ever made, and everybody avoids it because they're like, what is that title? I don't understand it. There's nothing on the picture. Like, there's nothing there. I don't get it. Two more here that I agree with. One is from Jim as well as Carl. They say the game. Yes, yes. I was going to say that, too. This one's horrible. And in fact, Jim's comment on our Facebook post got six thumbs. So everybody oh. agreed with him. <laughs> you can't look it up. If you type the game, obviously, you get nothing. So it's impossible to look up. And then the last one I wanted to mention, which I also agree with because I also often forget the name of it, is the Quacks of Quedlinburg. So David says he calls it the Quack Game, also Quackburg. <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, Mark mentions, I own the game, played it a dozen times, and still had to look it up the title to make sure I got it right. That's um, right. And the German name is the Quacks von, Quacks von Quedlinburg. Like, I don't even remember quite what it is. And then when Northstar got it, they're just like, yeah, the Quacks of Quedlinburg. No, no, no. You need to actually translate it and make it something people will remember because we're not German. <laughs> so <laughs> this one's a tough one as well. Yeah, this is a rough one, and I think board game publishers kind of shoot themselves in the foot. This could actually be a top 10 list because there are so many games. Yeah, the game. That's obviously terrible. It's so it's, bad. It's so you bad. Have search, you have to search the German version of this, I think, in order to find it. You could also look up by just, you know, the, the publisher and the author of the game. But if you're trying to find that game, good luck. There's another one, and I actually try to look this up on Board Game Geek because I want to talk about it. But because... It is spelled in its really cool, hip 1980s or 1990s radical way. Was it Xenoshift? It's the card game oh, about yeah. aliens, but it's spelled super hippie kind of. Th I don't know. It's 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 trying to be hip with letters that shouldn't be in that word. Yes, this is. I forgot about this one. This one's perfect. It's X E N O S H Y F T. Wow. Yeah, no one's going to remember that. It's that's nonsense, guys. <laughs> so. That's 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 really bad. Yeah. So that's a that's a bad one. 
uh, I guess straight off one of the worst ones. And I, <laughs> and I keep this in mind just because every once in a while I see this game out. And I remember way back when, back in our early myriad days, Anthony, it was called, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm quoting this here. Oh my God, there's an ax in my head. The game of international diplomacy. <laughs> I forgot about this one. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> and I've never played it, so I'm not saying it's a bad game or a good game, although it's probably a bad game. But it's just one of those things where, like, even searching board game geek, the only I just looked out and I went, I typed in an axe, and the title was one of the many different possibilities. But that is ridiculously long, ridiculously silly, and I know that's part of the point, so I give them credit for that. But, yeah, that's not a good thing that people should be doing. No, it's bad. Yeah, and there's a lot of others. There's Deck Builder, the deck building game. There's the Expansion Expansion. There's just there's a lot of really cutesy ones. I think there was one way back when, if I can remember correctly, which was one that I really liked, which was something like this game isn't big enough for two to seven players or something like that. This this town, the idea was like this town isn't big enough for the both of us, but they kind of used like the player count as part of the title, which was kind of kind of fun, but still almost impossible to find these days. I actually couldn't find it on Board Game Geek. So yeah, how about you, Anthony? Anything? Yeah, I mean, I think like before I looked at the lists for me, it was the game that was the first one that popped in my head because I've tried to Google it several times and just gotten angry. <laughs> and the mind is like a close second. I have the same problem with that. Like if you if you try to look that up, if you type the mind BGG, you get usually it shows up in the top, but most of the time, you know, it's a mix of other stuff because it's. You know, the mind, the the mind, right? That could be literally anything. It's ambiguity that drives me crazy. So if you're if the name of your game is something incredibly ambiguous. So I think there was like the deck building game or the non deck building game, things like that. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's just a nightmare. I don't care if the game's good or not. Just that's it's not a clever name. No one's gonna be able to find it. <laughs> what are you doing? It's very true. All right. So that's our question of the week. If you'd like to contact us, we clearly will say ridiculous things on the air for you. So reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com. A lot of great articles there. Also, our sister podcast, Every Night is Game Night, is on there with Jason. If you haven't listened to Jason previously, jump back to our Game of Thrones episode. Even if you're not a Game of Thrones fan, Jason's on there. He's a lot of fun to listen to. And obviously, you can catch him and Anthony on Every Night is Game Night. So we look forward to hearing from you. Anthony, that's what's going on with our listeners. Let's get on to the stuff that we want to get to the table with our listeners. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. A couple of years ago, I guess it was only a year ago. That's that's weird, actually. USAopoly, which I think they call themselves now the OP, which I'm not sure I'm a fan of that, but ah, more stupid names. <laughs> That's the name. That's the name of the publisher. They released Thanos Rising Avengers Infinity War. So this game came out right before Infinity War and was about all these different teams of Avengers fighting against Thanos and his various minions, I guess you'd call them. They've rethemed it as Star Wars Dark Side Rising. And this is coming out here in the next couple months. And it's pretty much the same game, but with Star Wars. And it makes sense thematically. And I like Thanos Rising. But, you know, Star Wars is Star Wars, which is amazing. The, the idea here is you have several different teams that correspond to different leaders. So in this case, it's Cassian Andor from Rogue One, Leia, obviously, Luke, obviously, and then Harris and Dula from Star Wars Rebels. So they're basically taking everything that happens from like the year or two before A New Hope. And that's the people trying to stop the building and execution of the Death Star. And then you can recruit other characters like Obi-Wan and Han Solo and C-3PO and all those guys. And you build up the strength in your own individual cells and you roll the dice and you're trying to stop Darth Vader, which is this big 3D head of Darth Vader that turns around this board in the middle and attacks these different characters cards that are around him. And your job is to make sure those cards don't die, which is you know, they take a certain amount of damage and they they go out of the game and that can influence how, whether you lose or win the game. 
The ultimate goal here, of course, is to stop them from building the Death Star. You have the different cells are intelligence, leadership, support, and tactical, which are just, you know, I guess, nonsense words for things that happen in Star Wars, quote unquote. Uh, but you're trying to stop the, the Death Star from being built and being operational. I like Thanos Rising. I had a lot of fun with it. The kids had a lot of fun with it. It's for like a, a licensed kind of tie-in game that came out with a movie. It was decently good, and I thought it, it worked pretty well. Got a bunch of promos. It added in stuff from that movie. I wish they had done more stuff from the, the movie that just came out. They did not. Dark Side Rising makes sense thematically. You have all these different locations like Scarif and Jeddah that work within the world of trying to stop the Death Star. So I'm cool with that. Characters all make sense. It looks cool. Like the artwork is a little funky. It's like photorealistic, but a little tiny bit caricaturized. But yeah, I'll probably pick this one up. Uh, kids like Star Wars. I like Star Wars. We will play this alongside Thanos and see which one we like better. So looking forward to seeing this one, probably in Target. That's usually where they see them show up. People don't know, but sometimes you and I kind of find the same acquisition disorders. And it's basically... Whoever gets the spreadsheet first to kind of put those things up there. About <laughs> it. So I had seen this one a while back and I was like, oh, a new Star Wars game. I, I must find out more about this. And then I saw the picture with the little kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's kind of like this chibi, mutated, kind of defunct Dark Vader that looks like, it's not even doesn't even look like a toy so much. It looks like a really weird kind of like, I don't know, pepper shaker or something like that. It's just like a really weird deformed Dark Vader. And I was like, oh, no, I, I, I don't want to talk about the game at all. <laughs> we should never mention this game to anybody ever, 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 ever. Now, I get it. Like you mentioned, like Thanos Rising, that was kind of a weird kind of middle plastic piece with him holding up the Infinity Gauntlet. But somehow... That looked better than this. And with him with his like little lightsaber out, I was just like, oh, Dark Vader used to be such a cool kick-ass character. And now you're kind of like demoted as like a random chunk of plastic. Now don't get me wrong, I have plenty of Dark Vader random pieces of plastic that I own, but this just this looked really silly to me. So yeah. I uh I get it. I don't know, man. Like in a world where we have like Darth Vader on top of like bubble bath and salt shakers and cheese containers. I I don't have a problem with this. Well, this is what I'm saying. Like we got to, you know, you got to fight back here. You got to, you got to, you got to draw a line and say no further, you know, and this, this is going to be my line. You know, I got a lot of cool games with some pretty cool miniatures and I got the little, pop figures so i'm 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 all for cutesy kind of you know dark leaders with uh galactic genocidal plans that are just didn't do it for me here but uh good luck (laughs) good luck with the kids with that one (laughs) should uh should uh have some good family time all right so i want to talk about another you know acquisition disorder that i'm also very very conflicted about and that's merlin knights of the round table that's currently on kickstarter and by the time you listen to this episode you only have a couple of days left if you want to back this this is a game by stefan feld and michael riesnick and anthony and i have talked about this and reviewed the base game anthony reviewed the author expansion that comes with this game that you can pick up i think it was a previous kickstarter but here you can pick up the base game of merlin And basically, it's a kind of point salad kind of situation where you and your knights are running around this kind of circular board, which obviously is there to mimic the round table. And you are picking up certain tokens in order to be able to meet certain conditions on cards. And you're getting points almost every round. And it's extremely abstracted. uh, And it's a queen's game. So there's a lot of different little kind of mini expansions. So as I said, we talked about the author expansion, and now there is Merlin Knights of the Round Table expansion from Queen Games. And basically, this expansion is here as a pre-order system. So I think their funding goal was like $5,000, which is nothing in board game. I think they're up to like close to $40,000 now at this point. But basically, this expansion adds 
I, I guess the best way to say it is like asymmetrical starting powers. So there's going to be 12 knights of the round table in this game, and it's going to come with some additional chits, but basically the chits are related to the knights, and you can draft these knights or give them out randomly. Each player will have two knights, which will give you starting powers, which you can play within the game. And those starting powers, or knights in this case, will do a number of different things. So you have Sir Galahad, who is going to gain a shield, a flag, or construction material. Once again, more chits and tokens. Sir Lancelot will be able to marshal a figure in the game. And the campaign does something which is a little odd as far as I'm concerned, considering how short this campaign is actually going to last, is that they have not released all 12 knight information. So currently we have the three that's on the campaign page and then there was a recent update that talked about two more that gave you the information on those two nights so that's five nights and as i record this there's only six more days to go on this campaign which will wrap up on monday june 3rd so i don't really understand why or how they're doing this but if you do like or do love merlin and i'm okay with it and maybe Arthur brought in a little bit more here, and maybe this one might do even a little more, it's possible that this might actually finally round this game out into a full game. I'll tell you what. Like, the advertising here sucks because I didn't know this existed until you said it, (laughs) and then I backed it because I I collect all things Stefan Feld. Me too, Um, yeah. And so I didn't actually know anything about it until you just talked about it right now. And I'm like, oh, that sounds fine. And I'm like, mm, should I back this actually? <sighs> I guess I have to. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Queen games, man. Like, just tell us you're launching a game. I didn't know this even existed. And then you only give us like a week or two. What are you doing? It's weird. It's really weird. Queen games is very strange about this. They have some really decent games. They have solid production. They're a good company, and I just don't know how things kind of end up this way. But if you're interested, you can pick up the game, the expansion, and this smaller expansion all at once. And there's a number of different pledge options. So if you want to pick up Copenhagen, which is another one of their games, you could do that as well. But basically, it's Merlin. We talked about this earlier. Check it out. It's on Kickstarter right now. All right, Anthony. So that's everything from our acquisition disorders. Let's get on to the games that actually hit the table this week and let people know if they should go out and buy those games. They're fantastic. If they should get those games to the table, if they see them jump down and play them, or if they should avoid those games and just dodge them or every once in a while, a game hits the table that really should just never existed. Maybe because of the name. I don't know. And you should burn those games. They're just absolutely terrible and not worth your time and or money. So, Anthony, what do you have up for us for this week? All right. Yeah. So a couple weeks ago, uh, I can't remember exactly how long. I believe it was episode 219. I mentioned Bunny Kingdoms in the Sky. This is the expansion for Bunny Kingdom. This is one of my favorite kind of very lightish area control games. It's from Richard Garfield and Yellow. So good pedigree. And they have an expansion that just came out and I got finally got a chance to play it. And I I wanted to talk about it a little bit. The game adds a few things. So the first thing it adds is a new board, the sideboard of the Sky Kingdom, which does not immediately connect to anything on the main board. Locations up here are marked by the number of clouds. So each row is one, two, three, four, five, six clouds. And then you kind of count out from there. So it's the same kind of grid system as the rest of the board, but it's different for some reason. I'm not a really huge fan of that because it was very confusing. (laughs) People kept kept marking the wrong spots. Um, We had to keep going back through people's cards to make sure that they were actually putting their pieces in the right spots. Um, It does not automatically connect to the main board at all, but there are two rainbow slots that are similar to sky towers that you can use. Like when you get those locations, you get the cards, you get the, the rainbow things and you can connect to anywhere you want on the main board. And there are a ton of like exotic ex- extra resources on this board. So if you can connect what you're doing on the sky board to the main board and you get a bunch of these extra exotic resources, your scoring opportunities skyrocket. 
it's crazy. The other things it adds are the um, new larger building. So there's a building with five towers now, but it's only worth five if your fief that you have is worth less than five in general. Once it's worth more than five, it doesn't do anything. So it's a it's a weird thing. Like it just it it's more powerful in smaller fiefs where you only have like one or two resources or one or two towers, and you can throw it in there, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, you have five towers and two resources. Now it's worth ten points. Obviously, I'm not going through the base rules of Bunny Kingdom. We've talked about this game a couple times, but mostly the game works in that you have different groupings of bunnies with different types of resources and different numbers of towers. They multiply together and you have, there you go. Those are your points. Third thing it adds to the game is a fifth player, which I'm going to ignore because it's dumb and I don't think you should do it. So ignore that, throw those pieces in the trash. (laughs) Don't, Don't play with five players unless you really like that color, in which case, you know, use it. But the cool thing, however, is that because you have an extra board and you put all the cards into the main deck, you get to draw extra cards and do more rounds of drafting if you have two, three, or four players. Again, five players, dumb, ignore that. So (laughs) you get to do an extra round or two of drafting and get to do more stuff on the board so that it stays tight. I like that. I like that they keep it tight no matter what, whether you're playing with two, three, four, or I guess five if you're crazy. Um... (laughs) And the extra board adds a lot of cool new elements. It doesn't like expand the game to a degree where you can't like keep track of everything. The one thing I will say is that regardless of player count, it is going to add about 20 to 25% more time to the game. It's the reason I loved Bunny Kingdom is that it was relatively short. It was like a game you could play in an hour, hour and a half. And it's like a big, decent strategic experience, but it's it's now a little bit longer, probably two hours, a little bit more. And if you play with five players, you know, God help you, but probably closer to three hours, which, again, don't do that. It's still a very solid game. I really like the expansion. I think the ideal way to play it is with three or four players, people who've played the base game before and are able to just kind of jump in and play with all the extra stuff without having like question it and worry about all the extra, you know, pieces and components and symbols that come with it. Because they're not a ton extra, but it's just enough to kind of push the game over the limit. If you're playing with new players, pull all the new stuff out. Just play with the base game. If you're playing with five players, just expect an extra hour, I guess. <laughs> like It's just going to take longer to play. Uh, don't expect the quick game that you're used to. I, If you like Bunny Kingdom, pick it up. I think it's worth a buy, 100%. It's, it makes the game better. It's more fun. It's a little more in-depth. There's more stuff going on. If you play this casually and don't bring it out to the table more than like once every couple, three months, and there's new players involved, this is probably a pass. So it's it's one of those expansions that 100% depends on how often you play the game. And I personally love it a lot as a person who really likes this game and brings it to game night, you know, fairly frequently. But a couple people I played with were not a fan. So to what you will with that review it's it's hard to give it a buy play or dodge because it's a huge spectrum here if you love the game buy it if you don't if you don't play the game very often probably dodge it if you you know play other people's copies definitely give it a shot you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah last night i was sitting down and we were playing lorenzo magnifico and then obviously afterwards we played even a larger game we played dominant species both games I enjoy a great deal and I had a conversation around the table in which we were talking about sometimes it's not the game so much that lends, you know, so much extra time or complexity to the game. It's the AP that the game produces. And sometimes that's individualized. Some people are more AP prone than other people, but sometimes the game just causes that. You know, when, you, when you're when you drafting, especially when you're playing Bunny Kingdom, and you get that first hand of cards, and everything's amazing. And then obviously, as time goes on, as the hands go around, it gets less amazing, and you get a little more focused. But anytime there's an expansion, anytime there's more cards with a drafting game, if one person hits a roadblock with AP or just can't make a decision point-wise where they want to go, everyone stops, and the whole game comes to a screeching halt. So I'm really wondering about this. I always love expansions. I'm the biggest expansion guy, but 
what do you think about that as far as actually being able to get this game done in in a reasonable manner? Yeah, I think it's a problem. I mean, like, honestly, I played it and I really enjoyed it. But the second time that I brought this game to the table with the expansion available, we pulled everything out because we had a new player. And the third time we put it in there with people who had played once or twice and we just caveated it with this is going to take a while. It just it adds a lot. And it's not just like, oh, you have a new board. You have to worry about this. It's that. If you want to go to the skyboard, there is a huge potential for gain up there. Only if you can connect it back to the main board, you know, like you could pick up three or four exotic resources and really amplify your scoring on the main board. But if you don't connect it back with a sky tower or the, or the rainbows, well, it's like eight points. So that was a waste of a bunch of cards. And so people spend a lot of time staring at those cards. <laughs> and it's yeah, I mean, I think to your point, the, the AP can really kind of drag you down, especially for newer players who are just not used to kind of the, the push and pull of this game. So uh, I'm kind of on the fence on whether to bring it in or not. Like some expansions that are just in the box automatically. We're always playing with ex- this expansion. Deal with it. This game, it's it's very dependent on who is playing. And that's not a good sign for an expansion, I think. I have a very similar situation. I recently got Kemet's first expansion, Ticetti to the table. And in fact, it's not just one expansion, it's a bunch of modules. Now, I gotta be honest with you, like, module expansions is not my favorite thing, just because, and this is without any knowledge of this, but it seems like they had a bunch of good ideas, but they, it feels like that a lot of times when you have a game that has a bunch of modules, it doesn't seem or doesn't feel like enough time was put into knowing if all the modules work together well enough that you should play them all together or if a certain combination works really well. I mean, talking about Queen Games, they their Fresco big box will tell you how much each module adds as far as game time is concerned. And I really appreciate that. It doesn't tell you which ones to put together so much, so to speak, especially with all the different modules and the Queenies and everything. But at least it tells you how much more time. So in Kemet, Tysetti, you are adding a lot more to the game. And there's basically like five modules, but some are bigger than others. And Kemet itself, and we've talked about this at length, is a fantastic dudes on the map battling game. And you're getting pretty much, you know, straight up victory points or tempering victory points. And it's all about this fantastic mythological world of Egypt. And you're managing these d4s which which is a brilliant idea of these like little pyramids that come into play and based upon what number they're on you can you can purchase certain tiles on the board they're going to give you special abilities throughout the game and you fight you fight you fight you play cards in order to resolve those battles awesome fast quick bravo great game now you got the expansion now it's got a bunch of modules what are you looking at here well there's a bunch of different things So first off, there is more Divine Inspiration cards. Now, once again, if you're not right off the bat familiar with Kemet, you're going to be basically playing these battle cards. And in addition, you can play an additional Divine Inspiration card to go along with it, which is going to give you a bonus. And these cards can be played in a number of different ways in a number of different times throughout the game, not just battling. So more of these cards, great. More variety to a mechanic everyone knows is fantastic. Bravo. They also have more battle cards. Now you have a big defense card and a big attack card. Bravo. I already know how to play that. That's excellent. They also come with these black pyramids. Great. More tiles. All these black tiles come into play. And whereas in the original game set, white was giving you production of things. Red was giving you attack and blue was giving you defense. Black gives you a variety of different things. That's fine. Totally reminds me of Lorenzo Magnifico's expansion where he had the where he had the fifth tower, which was a combination of things. Great, it's a little bit of a table hog at this point now, and I'm starting to feel a little stressed because you have to look at all the tiles. But nonetheless, it's just more of the same. Totally on board for that. Now, here's the thing that kind of starts throwing the game off. They have one of the modules. Once again, you don't have to play with it, and in the end, I'm not recommending this module. 
But there is a battling situation that happens for turn order. Now, typically when you play the base game, whoever is lowest on points goes first. Here, you have to play your battle cards that usually are only played in war situations in order to win the, I guess, coveted first player situation. Now, in addition to that, when you lose a battle, you'll get these tokens that are going to add to your battles in order to go first or some odd higher in the chain. But it really doesn't matter. It's just an additional mechanic that doesn't really do any good. And as far as balancing is concerned, yes, typically if you're losing battles, you're probably lower on the player count situation. So why not just leave it? Whoever has the least victory points is in a bad situation. Let them go first. It's a waste of mechanic. Are really nice chits, but it's a waste of mechanic. Finally, there is this new board, and it's a very long board, and the idea is you have these priests that you can send on missions down to the pyramid, and as they move along, they'll pick up special tokens that'll give them special abilities. As your priest picks up more and more of these things, your priests become more powerful. So basically, you're creating a monster with all these multiple powers, and the powers aren't really radical, but nonetheless, you pick up a power, now your priest goes and joins the your little troop section, and now you're carrying around an additional buff. It's a good idea, it's a smart idea, and yet at the same time, it's an unnecessary idea, especially since you're adding the black tiles, which are giving you more special abilities. And honestly, the priest token doesn't really look any different than the warriors that are already there, so it's easy to lose where they might be something different as far as a, a special ability is concerned. You have a ton of great monster figures. You could pick up the expansion with Cyclades. It gives you even more monster figures and even more tiles. So I don't need an additional special ability character in this game. And it's a little bit wasted and it's huge. It's unnecessary. It's huge. So if we wrap all of that up, Kemet Tyseti is a play as far as expansions concerned. Play with the pyramids play with the extra tiles, play with the divine inspiration cards and the battle cards, leave out the board, it's terribly unnecessary, leave up the battling for the first player, it's terribly unnecessary, enjoy a good game, but once again, as Anthony mentioned, it's going to make it a longer game. I don't know, like, I've, I've still yet to pick up Kemet. I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it, it was always been a play for me, and none of these expansions have changed my mind. Like, <laughs> is there any combination of stuff for this game that's like, puts it over the top for someone who's like on the edge with it it's a more of the same expansion so if you like the game as you mentioned with bunny kingdom if it was a buy for you this is a buy if it was a play for you it's a play if it's a dodge it's still a dodge it doesn't do anything more so if you didn't like the game before don't pick up this expansion don't sit down and play it it's more of the same there is another expansion that came out after that completely changes the gameplay as far as it's now one versus teams. That expansion, which is a set, you know, the, the God set comes into play and now there's these purple tiles and now it just really kind of throws the game all over the place. But we'll talk about that at another time. No, it doesn't do anything different. It's more of the same. If you're on board, you should still be on board. You're going to feel a little burnt by the price. But nonetheless, it's more of the same. All right. Well, I will remain on the fence then. <laughs> Wait for other people to bring it out. All right. So there you go. Those are the expansions hitting our table. Ah, a fence sitting type of uh, favorable or non-favorable, depending on your previous experiences with those games. All right, Anthony. So let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we will be talking about the board game hotness for June 2019. The games that everyone's talking about, our game guru, Anthony, is going to come in and let us know why these games are on Board Game Geek's list and why you should know about them and why you should get them to the table. Yeah, so this is an interesting time of year, of course. We have a lot of awards and nominations that just came out. So some of these games are going to be on here because of that. Some of them are just below the list. Detective, a modern crime board game, is at number 20, I think. Uh, just One is at number 19, which I'm going to talk about next week. I got a chance to play that. But these, I'm going to talk about the top 15 games currently on the hotness. And some of them are there for 
obvious reasons. Some of them are there for less than obvious reasons. So this is kind of always a fun exercise. And why is everybody talking about this game right now? So number 15 on the list is Star Wars Dark Side Rising. I just talked about this one. Acquisition Disorder. It was recently announced. So if you're new to these episodes, if it's recently announced, it tends to jump up in the list a little bit. People are talking about it. It's a brand new thing. It should be coming out pretty soon. And hopefully it's available at Origins for people who are there. We have next on the list, Tiny Towns. Now, this game was, if you haven't like read about AEG's new business strategy, they are looking at releasing four or five games per year, period, right? And this is one of them. And they put a lot of effort and money and, you know, advertising into this game. And it's doing pretty well for them because of that. It is a like a roll and write game where you place cubes on a board instead of writing things on a sheet. And it has a couple of different play methods. I really, really like this game quite a bit. It's quite a really interesting puzzle. And it's it's really cool to see it up here because I think it deserves more um discussion as a game because it's it's doing pretty well so it i think it deserves to be up there on that list next up is root this is we talked about this game uh last week as a game we think is going to sweep a lot of awards where it's nominated i think that's probably why it's here (laughs) it was nominated for a lot of awards and the dice tower awards it's probably going to pick up a handful of those and people just talk about it a lot there's a lot of new content coming out later in this year Uh, It's doing pretty well just generally. Um, When it's in print, people buy it. When it's not, people ask for it. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's really eating up the list in general. It's going to be up here for a while, I think. Next up is Batman Gotham City Chronicles. And this one shipped not too long ago. And it has a second Kickstarter coming up on June 4th. So it's Batman's 80th anniversary, uh, Detective... Uh, comics hit 80 years here about a month or two ago. So they're launching a new Kickstarter for season two of this game. I have season one. I have played it a little bit, not enough to like talk about or review it yet. I was hoping to get it in by next week. I don't think I'm going to get there before the new Kickstarter comes up, but let's just say I like it. I like the core mechanics. The This is based on what um, the Conan game was before it. So if you like Conan, Batman's awesome. It's pretty good, though. It's Batman. Uh, and so there's there's more Kickstarter goodness coming very soon. I don't know if they're going to have the first season up there for people to buy. I hope so. They did that with Conan. They had like a limited number of them available. I hope they do that for people. Um, but if not, there's more content coming, which hopefully is not too awesome because my Kickstarter budget is limited. Next up on the list is Carpe Diem. This is Stefan Feld's game release for the fall one of two it was from Alea games and robinsberger here in the u.s it's a decent game i really enjoy this game it was a solid play for me the production level is not good <laughs> so it's Alea. it's the same people who do like castle of burgundy they did the notre dame reprint they did the you know the a lot of his games back in the day Generally, the components are not good. This game in particular has a lot of issues because you have things like, oh, we have this pile of tiles where the backs are dark green and this pile of tiles where the backs are light green. Sort them and place them accordingly. Here's a rondelle where you zigzag across when really you could just go in a circle. There's zero reason not to go in a circle, but we've printed it that you go zigzag. So you're going to go zigzag. The game itself, though, the core mechanics, very good. It's a nice like tile placement game, lots of puzzle elements to it. It is nominated for the Kenner Spiel, and that's why it's up here on the list. Uh, next on the list, Terraforming Mars. This is almost always on the list. They almost always have an expansion coming down the pike. Most recent expansion was on Kickstarter last month. It is in the works. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. People just talk about this game constantly. And if you don't know how BGG works, like the hotness is based on how often people post about a game or how often they look at that page for the game, like a kind of an aggregate of the two. People look at this page a lot. That is why that's there. Uh, next up is Nuke Your Neighbor. Now, this is a game from 1983 
and it has zero comments and two ratings. Why is it on the hotness, right? This is why I like doing this segment because sometimes something comes up where I'm like, I have no idea what this is here. I didn't, I knew nothing about this game before. It just kind of hopped up on the list. So the reason it is here is that somebody on Reddit, on the board games uh, subreddit, found a copy while they're cleaning their house. And after a little bit of digging, they found out the game is not only unpublished, but there's like no information about it. So everybody decided, hey, let's dig into this. Let's look it up. Let's try to gather information that we can. And it bumped it all the way up to the top 10 on the BGG hotness because people are looking up this game. I I don't know how often people look up other games, but it must be a lot. So if you're looking for a good conversation space, Reddit seems to be a place where a lot of people are talking. So next up, Smash City. This is a new game from WizKids coming out soon from Stephen Avery, who's done a lot of good stuff recently. And it is a kaiju combat game. So you have dice that are based on the giant monsters that you have. They're going to perform different attacks. You have 3D buildings made out of cardboard, different kaiju coming in to destroy the city. It is, I don't know, it looks really fun. I don't know a lot about this game. It's a relatively quick 20 to 30 minute game for two to four players. And it's, I'm just kind of a sucker for anything kaiju based. So I hope that it's good, but I don't know enough about it. So not going in any cons this year. I'm going to rely on other people to tell me whether or not this game is worth checking out, but it should be out relatively soon because WizKids does not announce stuff too far in advance these days. Next up on the list, Llama. This is the Reiner Knizia game that was nominated for the Spiel des Jahres. It is a card game uh, from Amigo, uh, very much in line with a lot of other hand management ladder type card games. Honestly, I have not played it yet. I don't know why it's considered unique or different enough to be like Spiel des Jahres level of card play. Uh, but a lot of people who have played it do like it. So I am looking forward to playing it. I don't know much about it. It's very low weight. It's very accessible. There are a couple of other card games out of Germany recently that I really liked. This is not one of them. I've not played this one yet. Crass uh, Curate is great this one just did not hit my radar so we'll see it'll come to the u.s now that it's nominated for this field of shower and uh, we'll get a chance to give it a go next up is gloomhaven number one overall number one thematic number one strategy and it's just here because it's gloomhaven so <laughs> if anything it just got pushed down a few spaces and that should be more uh, of news than anything else so not gonna dwell on that one Next up is Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth. This is uh, Fantasy Flight's big spring release. I've been playing this quite a bit, actually. I've gotten about 15 games of it in. I've played a bit solo. I've played a bit with my friend Ryan. And the game is interesting. Like, I played it a lot. I reviewed it on this podcast. I liked it a lot. Um, it does have a few things in it occasionally where you just can't do anything about what's happening like it's very much a rng heavy app game where you, sometimes you can't really respond to what the game is trying to tell you to do quickly enough to do it before you fail overall narrative is fantastic i like how it manages all these things i still like the game a lot i do have a few things i wish it did a little bit better i think i'm going to come back to this and review it again in the future once i've finished a campaign or two uh, but for now, I still really like it quite a bit. I think it's worth checking out. It's like Mansions of Madness with more combat, but there are a couple things like spiking up here and there that are starting to annoy me a little bit. <laughs> just, just a heads up there. All right, next up is Wingspan. Wingspan has been up on the list for an indefinite period of time since it got announced. It is now number 49 overall, number two in the family ranking. It was nominated for the Kenner Spiel, and... I I still think Stefan Feld might have an edge here just because this is his one game that's kind of in that Kennerspiel range. But Wingspan is just such a brilliant production, like physically and just tactically, um, what you're what are you getting into, you know, as a game. And 
hopefully they get enough copies printed soon enough that people can actually play the game. Next up is the Seventh Continent. This one jumps up whenever they ship stuff. So the expansion stuff from the second Kickstarter is now shipping. My copy of all that stuff should be here in the next two to three weeks. I will be playing that. I will be talking about it. That is why it is here on the list. This is a fantastic game. It's in the top 20 of all time. And I'm I'm excited for more people to get their hands on it. It's just really, really good. So um, looking forward to the expansion content there. Next up, Pandemic Rapid Response. So this is number two for good reason. It is designed by Kane Klenko, who does a lot of games for companies like Renegade and Seaman, Asmodee, all those companies. Uh, it is a cooperative dice rolling game real time. So he did games like Fuse and the just the really quick rapid play games for Renegade that were based on a timer. And he's taken the pandemic formula and adapted it to the dice rolling and timer based mechanisms of those games. I don't know if it works. I have not played it. I'm looking forward to seeing if it works because I like the idea behind it. But I, at this point in the grand scheme of everything, I need a pandemic game to do something new and interesting to be worth it. And I'm waiting to see if this one does it. Number one, last but least, this is Etherfields. This is from Michael Arach. Awaken Realms. Now, Awaken Realms is behind a lot of games that have come out recently via Kickstarter. Some of the most top-rated of those being This War of Mine, Lords of Hellas, Nemesis, Tainted Grail. A lot of big, big games. Some of those have already shipped. This one just recently announced will be on Kickstarter pretty soon. I think the draft is up now for people to take a look at. Um, don't know a ton more about it. Other than that, there will be almost certainly a whole bunch of miniatures, some cooperative play, <laughs> uh, the usual stuff that you're used to from these kind of games, but it's, uh, it's up there. So there you go, guys. That is the BGG hotness as of May 28th, 2019. So that's getting you to, to June, uh, for this year. All right. So that's everything for this week until next time. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.